Hi, I'm Adam Miller. And I'm Sarah Sweet. And welcome to Food on the Radio. Hey, Sarah, how you doing? Hey, Adam, welcome to my home. Once again, we're in Sarah's house in your cushy living room. It's very... (laughs) Well, it has a lot of cushions. That's true. (laughs) So we have a special guest. We do. Who's been brought all the way from the other room. (laughs) It's quite a trip. (laughs) And it's kind of what we, we, along with our usual thing of what did you cook last week, is what are we going to cook right now? Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a new segment. Our guest, by the way, is Steph Kelsey. Hello, longtime fan. First first time visitor. (laughs) Right, whether you like it or not, you're a longtime fan. Heard the show in production from across the room many times. Um, But Steph is an expert on all kinds of things that I'm not. Um, He has things like like starters going, like, you know, yeast starters. Oh, yeah. Just a a sourdough starter. That's right. You got that going. You're a big bread maker. And then today you have various other concoctions. Um, And what do we have in front of us? So we are going to talk about... Simple syrups that are infused with flavors. And these are really fun. We're going to, today, going to just make seltzer with them. But you can also do mixed drinks. I mean, this ginger syrup is really good with scotch if you want me to go get some. But it's, it's early. It's a, it's a little early. <laughs> it's for early me. for that. But I will say, um, since we do live in the same house, that I am the beneficiary of all of Steph's recent summertime syrup trials. He's been doing, like, grapefruit time like all these different simple cool. syrups and you can infuse them and then you can add them to all kinds of stuff like you said like cocktails um and in this case we actually have a what would you call this machine this is a seltzer maker it's a co2 machine i don't know right so we're this not is, this is a drink mate if they were. right we're not drink we're mate. not making seltzers the way the pilgrims did but <laughs> well you know so i feel very hipster at this moment <laughs> Uh, the combination of that there's a seltzer machine, and I'm looking at these two syrups. It's so not a machine. These, it's just there's just a CO2 can. So yeah, so it's it is it machine like. Yeah. It kind of looks like a coffee maker in a way, you know. And yeah. I guess you stick the bottle on there, and then it puts bubbles in the bottle. First, I'll tell you about the syrup. So this is ginger syrup. This is the first type I ever made, and it was inspired by um, ginger drinking vinegar, vinegar, which you got me from a restaurant in Portland that sadly doesn't exist anymore. Oh, um, yeah, hawk. Yeah, from Pock Pock. Yes. Yeah. So they had something called Psalm, and it was ginger flavored, and it was so good. And then after we couldn't get any more, I was just like, I have to figure out how to make this. So, so it's a half cup sugar, and then about a half cup or three quarters of a cup water, and then a quarter cup white vinegar. And you give that to a, a boil until the sugar goes away, and then you just put in finely sliced or finely chopped ginger, kind of about like as much as a, like a thumb, okay. like my thumb of ginger. So you peel it. Slice it up um, and get it to a boil. Get the sugar going away. Turn it off. Throw in the ginger, and then you just cover it. Let it sit for like at least an hour, and then you strain it out, and it's and like you this. Got it. And if you leave the skin on, it like I peeled it. But if you don't peel it, it actually is a very nice pink. Which is oh, fun. I see. I, yeah. I was noticing because it isn't that colorful, mm-hmm. and that's why because you, you, you peel smell it. it. And did you say there is vinegar in this? This has vinegar. Yeah. So is this this is a shrub? Oh, I did not know that. So a shrub is. A drinking a, vinegar. A drinking vinegar. I yeah. see. Okay. And actually, fermented products have definitely had a resurgence based on a lot of health benefits that people see in them, I guess, with your gut and stuff. Yeah. And then what's great about adding, adding any kind of acid to, like, anything you're doing with fruits is that it really makes the flavor pop. Um, yeah. 
Yes. So, so you, in lieu of, of uh, vinegar, you could also do like just add some citric acid and stir it in, and that that would work as well. But vinegar's cheap, and it's usually just it laying sure around, is. so I go with that. Okay, <laughs> I'm loading up the machine, and I'm gonna hit the button until we hear like the pressure release, and you'll it's very clear sound when it happens. So everybody, I'm gonna do it like about go. four pulses. Okay. And there we go, and now it's gonna be fizzy. So we take it off, and then in order to make it really fizzy, and the water's been chilled first, because then it will absorb more CO2. So this will work better if it's cold than if it's room temperature. You shake it. You're shaking it. <laughs> Vigorously. My goodness. And then we gotta release the pressure, because if we open it, it'll explode. And it has that wonderful sound. This is makes... some good radio oh, stuff. Oh, and then right there's here. like a, and then there's a, um, like, what do you call that? Like That a, made a whirlpool. Okay, pouring. We're going to pour. These might be a little... I haven't made them these size, so they might be a little bit intense. Oh, I probably, the amount. I probably put in too much syrup, but whatever. Oh, They'll be for, delicious. Not for me. <laughs> I like my drinks sweet and cold. But I recently got my parents into this, who don't... They're getting older, and they don't like drinking as much alcohol, and they're into mocktails. So last time I was in New Hampshire, I taught them how to make syrup. And they immediately made rhubarb syrup, and then ginger syrup, oh, that and now they're great. all about it. I love so. anything with rhubarb. We haven't talked about rhubarb on enough team? on this show, by the way. All right. Thank you. Oh, we a did. cheers. That is really good. Delicious. Really good. It's like more interesting Sprite. Yep. You could make like a mojito. With I that. call this like, is fancy ginger ale. Don't say that yeah. word in front of me. <laughs> it would. It would you be could good. make like a gingery mojito. Yeah, add some. It'd lime. be good with rum. Yeah, I mean, add some lime. I mean, some mint, and um, mint in general would be really good with this. And then you could add any kind of alcohol. <laughs> have you made any mint syrups? I have. We have done mint syrup, and we oh, did yeah. basil <laughs> syrup was one of my favorites. Oh, yeah, that's that really was really that good. Was, and um, I think we made a thyme one. Yeah, we did do thyme. I think maybe we might have been lemon thyme. But mm -hmm. if you just do lemon, then it really is fancy Sprite. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. I think I like my that. favorite combination of the ones that you've made is the grapefruit and thyme. And, you know, there's been... And that's oh, also a shrub. I do vinegar with And that it's well. interesting because and there was a... Um, in the uh, infamous New York Times food app. Jeez Louise. But but basically in their food, it was actually more in their food section of the New York Times. Sure it was. Uh, was, was because there's a lot of controversy about um, disco that well, I think it's the World Health Organization is saying now that aspartame uh, looks like it might be a fairly severe carcinogen. I just have to back up and give Nauset Regional High School some big props because back in 1988, we did in advanced biology, this is actually gross now that I'm saying it out loud, but we did experiments where you inoculated a chicken egg with aspartame and everybody had a lot of problems that got the aspartame. Like, I feel like we knew this. Child scientists knew like, this in 1989. I feel like there's nothing about it that, that wouldn't make you think that it would be carcinogenic. Anyway, I, I, I have a bad habit sometimes. Of, uh, like sweet like crystal light. No, crystal light. Like Crystal light like, has aspartame? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. No! I know. It's, it's not good stuff. It has something else in it. I feel like it's one of those words like basil. Like, people say basil. I say... What did I say? Vaz. Or vase. Aspartame? You think it's like vase or vase? Yeah. I thought it was aspartame. I say aspartame, okay. but it's like <laughs> aluminum. You're um, British. That's what... The plus side of it was, the Times had, I think it was... Oh, yes, it no! Does. Yes. So I... I drink this... It's the only liquid yes. I drink. I drink a lot of it as well, and I'm trying to wean myself off. What of would it. we drink instead? This, I guess. Yes, that's that I'll was that was the point of this. <laughs> Times had an article, I think, on eight alternatives to drinks. One, of course, would be to just drink regular sugared soda pop. Disgusting. Um, but there's so much less sugar anytime you. Same thing with like lemonade. 
you know, like I when I make my own, I sh- I like to make sun tea. Oh yeah. Um, and uh, I do that a lot. And uh, um, one of my favorite ingredients for that is sun. Well, yes, the sun <laughs> works really well. You want to have about a, a quarter cup of sun. Um, and then no, is decaffeinated chai tea. Okay. Makes a really, I I like to throw in like three different teas, like a peppermint tea, a chai tea, and maybe a black tea. Put like a few of both of those in, sun tea that up, and um, and then and then I just add sugar when I feel like it. I Mm -hmm. don't even put sugar in the the tea. For those people listening who are from unsunny places, sun tea is basically just putting these tea bags in water in whatever vessel out in the sun and letting the sun do the work of the steeping. Yeah, so you don't have to like boil water and then Oh, what a pain. You know, all that. I never put I never work. put sugar when I make sun tea, but I do yeah. different. I do like a white peony tea. Well, I think but, we should call the New York Times and tell them to add a ninth option to their list, which is Steph simple syrups. It does it's say true. make your own soda. Um, it, it has something about about that, you know, which to me is still yeah, it, it that's the hipster road to me is to have what you have, which is like, but you guys are hipsters, you know. What? Everything's you, expensive. You have a beer. This is way cheaper. <laughs> we are cool, but I don't think we're hipsters. <laughs> like, I'm 52. I'm not a hipster. I've never oh, been hipsters cool. are hipsters are, are are your generation. No, 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 they're not. Are they? <laughs> Get out of my house. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you're benevolent hipsters. Oh, okay. So when you make a root beer, it's are you using a root beer? essence of some sort yeah so there's two options that i looked into and my father had done this when i was a kid because he we made beer sm- and also makes wine and you can smell it we can smell it. um and so he had done it with a root beer extract and that was always like really bitter and it so it smells like hires <laughs> so i tried it with something else that i bought off the interwebs called root beer concentrate and i don't the difference is not clear to me at the moment. But my goal, so I have a side quest that I often leave behind. And my side quest is I would love to be able to make a root beer at home that has that nice big foam. And I have failed across the board. I've never done it. And I've read that there's some kind of protein that you need to add. So that's why they add sarsaparilla to normal root beer. Not just for flavor, but also because a protein gets in there that makes that like foamy head when you pour it. Well, See, what happens when you get a scientist on this show? Right, but wasn't the sarsaparilla originally the main ingredient in root beer? Yeah. That's what I thought. I thought it was it just was. the name of a horse. A Sioux City sarsaparilla? <laughs> well, anyway, this is delicious. This is a great idea. It's way too much of a production for me, as anyone it's knows. pressing a button. I know. It's a, well, I guess you have to make the syrup. Maybe the syrup is easy, though. It's something that I'll do like while I'm already cooking, because then I'm already in like prep mode, and then I'll just throw it on the stove and and then I'll forget about it. So well, I mean, it's, if, like, it has when to, I have ten minutes to spare, I'll make a syrup. To tech to become a simple syrup, it has whatever your concoction is it has to boil for one minute. That is it. Oh, okay. So um, I think you could handle it. I, no, I can do that. I haven't done it in the past, but I really should. The best is yet to come, and babe, won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine. Oh, out of a tree of life, I just picked me a plum. So while we have Steph here, master of complex dough bread related uh, productions. 100%. Um, we have this well laid out mise en place. 
right? Which means all the stuff is prepared in little little bowls and things. It's like everything's ready to go. Um, <laughs> so what we've got here is some sort of small saucepan with some uh, looks like sort of yellowish brown goo. I'm making this sound really good. Well, and then, I can just tell you. Why what doesn't it is. he tell us what it oh, is? Oh, why doesn't he tell me what you've got in okay. front of you? So. It just in place, I did have time, is the yeast, uh, salt, and this is toasted wheat germ. Toasted wheat germ. And then in here is whole wheat flour mostly, and then a little bit of bread flour just to give it a little more gluten. And then this is just a mix of mostly water, and then oat milk, and then honey and molasses, um, and a little bit of vegan butter. So this is a vegan interpretation of a really good recipe from the Ameris Test Kitchen book, Everyday Bread. So they have a honey whole wheat in that book and i have veganized it and converted it to my liking right so we've gone from hipster to hippie <laughs> hippies were the original hipster. so he's putting all the dry ingredients in the wheat germ what was that again the salt mm -hmm. and then and that's just that's the yeast you just buy yeah that's instant and i just keep it in the fridge that's i have a giant instant. jar in the fridge oh, okay um so it's just instant During nothing the dry ingredients we we've stopped buying bread wow he makes enough he makes a bread a week about. Also, because everything's gotten really expensive. And this is way more delicious. Both of those things are true. So nothing fancy happening here, just dumping it all in. You just dump it in. So you just dump the liquid into the flour. I just dump the liquid into the mixed dry ingredients. Right. And then you just give it a rough stir. So I'm just doing it with like a silicone spatula, like a tiny one. Just so everyone knows, this bread is being made in the living room. This is <laughs> coffee table bread. Not nor Yeah, I don't normally do it on the coffee table while sitting on a Swix ball. We've, on a yoga ball. Yeah. You have your coffee table books and then you have your This is now a bread table, table book. Yeah. Bread. This is going to be a special bread. We're actually delivering this bread to Cape Cod tomorrow to your mother. That's true. This is special bread because she loves it and so we're going to bring her some. That's Sarah's mother, not my mother. True, they both live on Cape Cod. But if your mother wants some bread, let me know. Happy to make her she some bread. Love it. Yeah. <laughs> so he's making a, a mush. So it's just shaggy. Yeah. And it's sticky. I don't really like putting my hands in it. Some people like to like feel the bread turn, you know, become like more, more. Um, oh, that gluten go very quickly, actually. Yeah. So it just came together, and then I have a trick because I don't really like kneading dough by hand that much it's messy and gets in all my like arm hairs and everything so if you if you want to touch that like it's sticky it's shaggy oh yeah um, yeah it's, and it's, it's not it's tacky yeah it's, it's not tacky. super it, gooey sticky it's and it's tacky. it doesn't have any structure yet it's really loose right so what we're gonna do is i'll show you a trick where i will go away for 10 minutes and the hydration of this dough is about 78 percent. so it's high hydration which that means the percentage of water versus by weight versus the percentage of flour and if you have a high hydration dough, the water in the flour will just do all the work for you. So it will just start creating gluten chains, which is what gives you those nice, like, a nice crumb. Uh -huh. And it's just going to do it for us. And then I'll just do a couple folds, and I'll, I'll come back in 10 minutes, and I'll show you what that's like. And then you can touch the bread and feel the difference. All right. Awesome. When we're back from the break, the politics of salmon, the result of our loaf, and the perfect omelet. You're listening to Food on the Radio on WOMR 92.1 FM in Provincetown, WFMR 91.3 FM in Orleans. The voice, the spirit of Cape Cod. You can also find us at WOMR.org. So, 
Adam, what did you make this week? Okay, so I made two things of mild interest this week. <laughs> oh, good. It's only um, mild or right. interesting. We <laughs> no, don't want to have anything too interesting. Well, what makes it interesting for one of them was I lived in Seattle for a while, as did you a long time ago. Mm-hmm. And one of our favorite things to eat if you're in Seattle is salmon, wild salmon. Okay. Um, and both on a, a podcast that I listen to a lot, the Hot Stove Society podcast with uh, two chefs from Seattle, uh-huh. Tom Douglas and Terry Rotoru, and they had a guest on who was part of the salmon fisheries. And then as soon as they were talking about it, and it's a very serious issue, issue actually, um, the New York Times had an article about this as well, and they're not the only ones. There's a lot of people talking about the fact that wild king salmon, not all salmon, so don't freak out in general, but especially king salmon is pretty much disappearing. And the oh. secondary the secondary negative effects, well, there's actually several, including the fact that there are a lot of indigenous peoples in the Alaska, uh, the Northwest, mm-hmm. and especially the Alaska, the, the Haida and the uh, Klingit, and they're sustaining crop for thousands of years uh that um i think it's something like it's gone from 13 million pounds per year of salmon to like 2 million oh since 1980 yikes um so anyway it's leading to the starvation of certain uh orcas what it made me realize is first of all i tend to i since i moved to the east i don't eat king salmon in general anyway Mm -hmm. because it's just come from so far and it goes to local fish and what i made last week is it just reiterates or reinforces my desire to try more often to eat local fish. Okay, so you made some local fish. Striped bass. I love it. It's in season. It's so easy to cook. It's just, you can't get a better fish than a striped bass. It's just fantastic. And it's local. And, you know, when people say, oh, I've got this, you know, black bass from Chile. Forget about that. This (laughs) this beats all of them. And all I do is I just... I've probably said this last year, but who was listening, right? Um, so um, is that I just put it in a packet with tin foil mm-hmm. um, or aluminum foil. Aluminium. Um, aluminium, yes. Um, and um, I, one of the things I like to do sometimes is use a little bit of sake. Mm-hmm. And, I, and this time I did both a little bit of lemon, a little bit of lime, salt and pepper. Um, I think that was pretty much it. And then I just make a little packet, put it on the grill. Okay. And if you put it on a, a charcoal grill, it, if you never uh, pack so tightly that the smoke won't get in there. Okay. Um, and then 10, 12 minutes, whatever, it just comes out because you've got all the liquid in there along with it. Oh, and a little olive oil. How long is straight bass season? Um, I think it's from about uh, this year. I think it's like mid-June until some point in late August. I'm not positive about that. Okay. Uh, because there are quotas. Right, right. Uh, it's line caught usually, and there are quotas on it. But I'm just trying to find out so we can come have dinner, and you're going to cook us this. Yes. Um, <laughs> let's do it soon. Um, I, I love it. It's um, The other thing that I've made with it, um, and I'm actually having company next week, so it's also what will I make next week. Is, um, <laughs> Spoiler alert. Is to slice it really thin and make like a crudo. Okay. Um, with just maybe some sesame oil and some smoked salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the other thing is I've made it, it also makes a great ceviche. Okay. Uh, so get your striped bass while it's in season. Um, I absolutely love it. And stop getting king salmon. We don't want them to disappear and we want the whales to have something to eat. So Sarah, what about you? Well, geez, I mean, my what I made this week has no real, like, real world implications of any kind or agendas 
I made, I can't even tell you, I made a salmon omelet. <laughs> oh, no, salmon is okay. Salmon is fine. There's okay. all kinds of, uh, coho, sockeye are fine to have. Okay. Some salmon is fine to have. Um, all, all of that is... The, You're just it, saying take a break on the king right. salmon. And, and there are different qualities in farm salmon. Um, okay. I remember we had Mac from Mac Shack on and everything. Last I remember year, that too. And he was talking about how the northern Atlantic sort of Nordic salmons mm-hmm. tend to be more sustainable and like Faroe Island and that sort of okay. thing. Okay. So it's okay to eat salmon. King is very specifically the most endangered of salmons. I get it. Well, I just felt weird saying it after what you said, but we had some leftover salmon. We were on vacation and we had some homemade pesto and we had this wonderful fresh arugula and some eggs. And we don't eat a ton of eggs anymore, but I had recently been watching the 20th season of Top Chef. And one of the challenges in Last Chance Kitchen was making a perfect omelet. And I used to have a job making omelets in Seattle, funnily enough. And I just uh, got up early one day and I said, what can I make for breakfast? And I had all these things. So I made um, like wilted arugula and salmon pesto omelet with a little couple of cherry tomatoes. Well, that sounds delicious. And I have some omelet questions for you. Oh, geez. I don't know if I can answer them. I can tell you the the main tip is to have a super hot pan and a little silicone spatula at the ready. First of all, do you put any dairy in in the egg? Nope. And do you use a whisk? I use a fork. You use a fork. Mm-hmm. Okay. And how many eggs did you use? Well, I made, I used four eggs. Right. And then I cut that one omelet into two pieces. Two pieces. Okay. Great. So I love omelets. I, despite the fact that some people would say I'm a decent cook. Okay. Um, I'm not a great omelet maker. I mean, I the fillings are great. Mm-hmm. The egg tastes great. But I, I, I just goes back to, you know, one of my favorite episodes, I think it is in the first maybe three or four episodes in the early 60s of Julia Child. Julia Child. Child. Mm-hmm. Yes, and you can you can Google it and find or find it on YouTube. It's mm-hmm. on. She makes omelets. Yeah. And it's so interesting because at the time that she's making it already, it was considered like French. You right. Know? And, and... Well, also um, a dinner. Yes. Like a meal a that you would have at dinner. Yes. And she makes an omelet. Just pulling the egg back. Mm-hmm. In other words, she doesn't use a spatula to flip it over. She just was able to right. sort of spread it out, and then she would just tug back a certain way, like bing, 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 yeah. with these quick jerks, and then it would just fold over itself. I have never, ever been able to do that. Can you do it? Well, the way I use the spatula when I'm making an omelet is I put the egg into the pan and then I just keep running my spatula around the right. edges so that the uncooked egg folds in underneath to become cooked because I'm not somebody that likes any wetness of egg of any kind. Me, me neither. Some people like to leave it a little damp in there. Not for me. But when I was a short order cook at the Western in Seattle, mm-hmm. I could make an omelet like that yep. where you just, and I could flip sunny, I could flip eggs like in the pan without a spatula at all. Like it's just, yeah. you know what? It's just practice. It's just practice. Almost any way you make an omelet is good. Well, <laughs> <laughs> yes, unless not. you burn it. Well, you like it to be fluffy and have some air in it. I know that some, I mean, no, some people, they like to cover it, mm. um, cover the pan before briefly. they fold it over. Yeah. Yeah. To give it, cause it can fluff it a little bit, I guess. Um, I don't I know don't about do fluffing. Eat my dinner in a fancy restaurant But nothing, I said nothing can take away
Steph, you are back. We have waited 10 minutes, and we have um, what looks like a pile of dough. Yeah, so if you look at it now, it's still shaggy. It looks like nothing has happened, but don't worry. Inside, it's totally changed. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to knead it in this bowl really quick, and the goal is to just have something nice and smooth, and that if you pull on it, it will resist you, because that means that there's gluten things happening. Okay. So we just want some... Yeah, we want some structure, and we want it to be smooth. So I just kind of push it down and fold it in on itself. Roll and push, roll and push, (laughs) roll and push. And it's still a little sticky because it's a wet dough, but you can already tell... About the size of a softball. It's smoothening out. That's more like a grapefruit. I don't know what softball you play. (laughs) I probably need to wait another couple minutes, but it's better and it's good enough for like what this. And so then, then what? Then you're going to proof it. Yeah. Now it will sit for like hour and a half. Do you use the proofing box? I will, but I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm just using it as like a windshield. Right, because we have all the fans. Yeah. Because it's warm enough in here that I don't want to like. It doesn't need. Normally, when I make bread in the wintertime, this house is at like 60-something degrees, so we have to warm it up, otherwise mm-hmm. the, it will mm-hmm. take forever. And okay. then one, once you proof this for an hour and a half, then but then there's another proofing? Yeah, so then I'll shape it, put it in a loaf pan, mm-hmm. and then it'll take like 45 minutes probably to get going, mm-hmm. and then, then it goes in the oven at 350 for like 40, 45 minutes. This is the bread that you've had before. We yes. brought you a loaf of this bread. Oh, there's make, some in the fridge right now if you guys want We could make toast. a piece yeah. of toast. Yeah. So... What we will do is we'll pre- we'll do a pretend we'll do it like a like a food show. Okay, is that we'll pretend that we've done all of this and that the bread we're going to taste now is is the bread you just made. But it's basically is what's happening. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. The only vari- it just won't be that bread. Yeah. The only variance is, the, is that this bread was made in a living room. Today. But it was it was exactly the same. Otherwise, right. yeah. And it's like we've we've spoken about Julia Child many times, and I remember as a child watching it. As a Julia Child. Yeah. Right. I I. I I used I used to watch it a lot as a kid. I liked it, you know. I guess it, even then I must have been into food. I was always into eating. That's not a problem. Um, <laughs> but I remember finding it so clever and interesting how she would put a something cooked in the oven that she would take something and put it in the oven, right. and then she'd open another oven and take it there out it right was. away. Voila! <laughs> in ten seconds, and I thought. How did she do that? Because I'm only seven years old at the time, um, and then I. And, but I think it was one of the first times I realized that that's what production on whether it's television or whatever. You did movies. not realize anything about I, I think, television I production I when you were six. Well, then I, this I, no, is I, fake I, news. I, I think I was like, oh, they cooked it ahead of time. That's cool, <laughs> you know. So anyway, we will we will try a piece of bread. Well, Steph has now brought us a completed loaf of what's the name of the bread again? Honey whole wheat. Honey whole wheat bread. And this we is, have some... We have a piece of toast. With some margarine on it. So good. That's actually, I actually think this is a better batch than the one that you gave me. Possibly. It just gets better and it's, better. It's, it's the lighter. toasted wheat germ. Mm. Well, and the bread flour. It's also lighter. The other one was a little denser. This is really light and a perfect consistency. So good. Absolutely delicious. Well, Steph, thanks for letting us use you to fill content on our show. (laughs) It's always a pleasure to cook for you all and to put food on the radio. So... so great having a guest i love having a guest we should do it again sometime listeners do you have any suggestions for a guest you'd like to hear on this show 
If so, send us an email at foodontheradio at gmail.com. You can also check us out on Facebook at Food on the Radio and Instagram with the same name. That's right. Last but not least, we just want to remind everybody to get out there to your local farmer's markets where you can get way more than just lettuce and maybe find some of the delicious local striped bass Adam was talking about. Yeah, and support your local fisheries in general. The Cape has so much wonderful good stuff to eat. Um, all the shellfish is local, as we all know, and it's all fantastic, and we're really lucky to be uh, someplace to get such fantastic things. So, Sarah, we are out of time. Bye, Sarah. Bye, Adam. Take a seat in this dream kitchen.